history there have been moments where one person makes a true difference where one person against all odds rises above and conquers and that is the topic of today's episode of podcast 99 i'm ryan lichten here with josh evans and parks miller we're continuing our coverage now on the first day of the woodstock 99 music festival the time of day that we're talking about now is about 5.55, 6 o'clock in the evening. Um, so reports of water prices now start to vary. As, as the news and, and the media coverage grows, as the festival goes on, differing reports start surfacing. Uh, most reports are saying that water was $4 a bottle, but other reports start saying $7. And it turns out that the $7 is actually the truth. By the end of the first day, water is now $7 a bottle. It's completely outrageous. $4 was outrageous before, and that was already coming under scrutiny during the initial reports. But now, even before the first day is over, it's jumped almost double. Yeah. So it's, you know, things are really starting to turn for the concert goers. It, unless you're super into the music, because from what we can tell from the footage up to this point, the crowd is pretty mellow. No one's tearing shit apart yet. No one's, you know, breaking stuff. There are some gropes happening, but it's it's not unruly like it's going to get but the seven dollar price hike is really where you start to see that yeah. kind of stuff start happening and, and the turn of the the entire festival and also from what we can tell from the pay-per-view footage it seems that the west stage was really where the party was at for most of the first day the east stage was definitely more crowded but if you use kind of like a crowd number versus crowd participation ratio the west stage was definitely more jumping and I, I think that that's just because the west stage had the first hard rocking bands they had buck cherry and lit so that was kind of the first rowdy stage you know that the rowdiest or heaviest thing we saw on the main stage up to this point was live uh which we not all know heavy. yeah is not <laughs> well you know it's it's somber <laughs> but uh for us to watch but it, but it's not heavy it's and whiny and so, but the the West stage is about to take a major turn in mood. Buck Cherry just got off the stage, and they're setting up now for the Roots, the legendary uh, hip hop live act. Uh, you know, now known from being on Jimmy Fallon's talk show as his house band. The Roots never really struck me as a real band that existed. They always just seemed like, oh, they're on Chappelle's show. Oh, they're on Jimmy Fallon. Like they never. No, it's weird to think about them too. I know they've been around yeah. forever, but for some reason in my head, I never, it, it was, it was surprising that they played Woodstock 99, you know, and stretched yeah. back that far and had a good spot. They played at, uh, at about six o'clock, five fifty-five to six fifty-five is their official slotted time. So that's, I mean, that's a really decent spot yeah, to be, to it's be probably playing. not as hot either. Oh, it, it's, it's not as hot, but it's yeah. probably really hot, especially if you're in the crowd. Cause True. again, True. the crowd is going to be, many degrees warmer than anywhere else just from body warmth yeah. you know and at this point the crowds are really filling up uh and yeah. like i said you know buck cherry just finished and so now we're gonna have the roots come out and do their smooth hip-hop thing and what a fucking change of pace that is for for everyone so totally. you know i don't know too much about the roots though that wasn't uh that wasn't my homework but for this right. episode yeah so um i i took on the roots and it's funny ryan that you say that 
about um, not considering them a band because I think that is definitely maybe, you know, for the last eight or 10 years, you know, they've just been on TV so much. Um, but, and so it's, it is interesting because I think that perspective probably does come through now, uh, because yeah, for now, for the most part, they're Jimmy Fallon's house band on his show. Um, but how they got to that point, I think would be because of their live set. Uh, I mean, they made records in the nineties. They were definitely kind of considered like a, uh, well, I don't know, like a thinking person's hip hop. Like True. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah, yeah. Conscious yeah, hip hop, like real. Before there was yeah. woke, there was like conscious hip hop. <laughs> and uh, and I mean, no I, one I could figure out how to spell conscious anymore, so they had to change it to woke. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, over the years, I've definitely like listened to their music a lot. Uh, kind of in that group with Outkast and Common of. People just or even, like, kind of, even like early like Daylight or Daylight Soul even like. yeah Daylight well, Soul yeah, they're um, in that in that tradition yeah like a tribe called Quest like all that's totally. definitely where the roots come out of but the thing that set them but apart was that they're a live band they're a live band and so they've and they've that's kind of always been their thing is like a live band hip hop they have DJ elements um, whereas most uh, hip hop groups started with DJs and then later incorporated live elements uh, the roots have always done that so. Um, you know, they've always been like a really good live act. And so this this is almost an anomaly in terms of just being like really good, really professional and really chill, um, which right. almost <laughs> makes us not want to talk about it. But uh, because that's not right. Like, but it is one of those things where it's it's just an interesting palate cleanser, because the fact of the matter is, is that Woodstock 99, while new metal was the huge thing, you did have this band like The Roots, who was essentially still sort of underground uh they had just had a couple hits but they they are on there were paving their way uh to become what they are now where they're on Fallon all the time so in some regards while they might not have been the biggest name on 99 uh you could definitely argue that they are one of the most uh significant culturally due to the fact that they have totally uh, yeah they're not lost in time. relevance yeah they, they didn't exactly. suffer the the 99 curse that so many yeah. bands a- ended up and also yeah. they sound r- really good like they have a yes. decent sounds you know setup going there uh and the way they come out on stage is it's like all five of them i believe and they all just have a cowbell and they're just doing this mm-hmm. like rhythm thing on the cowbell and none of them are mic'd when they walk out well you know it, it's just weird it's like that again, you see these bands that are used to playing in smaller venues now having yeah. to deal with uh, like arena sized crowds. Some of the things don't necessarily translate, and a couple dudes banging on cowbells definitely does not translate to, you know, a crowd of 200,000 people, 100,000 people. Because, you know, again, it, it wasn't the max capacity crowd, which we'll see it on, like, day two and day three, where it's yeah. closer to, you know, 400,000. But it's still a lot of people, and no one's still hearing those, those cowbells. But I would say that 
the roots, even though hip hop, you know, wasn't around in the 1960s, that they definitely bring the 69 vibes. There, there's, oh, yeah. th- there's good times yeah. all, all around. Yes. Um, I mean, they're, pr- they're promoting like a positive mentality, um, which is, yeah, I think that would be the most general thing. And, they're, and then they have live instrumentation and they do do some like sort of jam or improvisational things and having like a, a very like soulful vibe. I think all these things definitely, yeah, would contribute to one of the better representations of of what of, well, of what Woodstock to 69. Been, yeah. 69. Yes, exactly. Like if 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 they started with the roots and went from there, then Woodstock 99 probably would have been much more a better representation because the roots have played Bonnaroo many times. And so all these other festivals like Bonnaroo uh, and uh, those those festivals definitely have taken that for that Woodstock vibe from the 69. Um, but it's a good set and it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you're a fan of, of the group. Uh, they had just released uh, one of their classic albums, uh, Things Fall Apart, in February of 99, which had a big hit off of it. You Got Me featuring Erica Badu. And she right. does come out uh, late in the set. And um, she's really good. She's Her, up. She's Mike, up for best dressed. First of all, she's in like I, a yes. bright yellow <laughs> outfit. I mean, huge head wrap. It's like I mean, it's gigantic. It's it's so tall. And she just yeah wails. And and she really. I mean, you can kind of see the crowd turn when she comes out because she busts out this vocal solo a- after she does the song where it's kind of just like a free jam. And she's just wailing like on some great gig in the sky levels. And everyone's going crazy. And you like, it's really the first instance you see, like, I mean, minus like a little bit during Lit and Buck Cherry of like people pushing each other and just getting amped. Like, it's not a pit, but they're just fucking stoked uh, on what they're seeing. And one thing I noticed during that part in the feed, the pay per view feed, is that you can spot a juggalo (laughs) dead center (laughs) in the crowd in full face paint. Like, no one around him is like (laughs) him. And he's just like, because. You know, spoiler for next episode, ICP is is up next on that stage after the roots. And so, yeah. you know, he's like getting his spot, <laughs> you know, but he's, he's having to, you know, deal with all this. And also everyone's having to deal with him. Like, you know, they're just like looking at this <laughs> yeah. guy like, whoa, buddy, <laughs> wrong yeah. fucking crowd. But uh, also I'd like to point while talking about best dress, the bassist is wearing a fucking hoodie the entire time with the hood <laughs> right. up. I mean, that's dedication. That is fashion yeah. dedication. It's hot as hot, fuck. Yeah. And he's doing it. And he also has what I couldn't tell exactly what it was, but I'm going to assume it's a blunt that he's holding in his mouth the entire time. It might be a little piece of wood. I don't know, because he keeps it in his mouth the entire set. Yeah, well, because yeah. <laughs> he doesn't light it. He just keeps it there. So either he's like just like chewing on a Chomping piece of like sassafras or something. Some hickory. Yeah. <laughs> He was slapping too hard, and he never had a moment yeah. to just light that thing up. There's a lot of uh, great bass slap solos here uh, from from the bass player of the Roots. Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, when they, yeah. they trade off solos towards the end of the set, and one of the guys, you know, rips a Pink Panther theme, you know, pulls that out. And when it gets to the basses, he's doing, like, the Peter and the Wolf, like, kind of kind of riff that a lot. It's been sampled in a lot of older hip-hop songs. Yeah, yeah. But he's just, like, playing. It's not a solo. He's just, like. I know this mm-hmm. this song, you know, but everyone <laughs> yeah. loves it because it's it's cool, and they're like, "Oh, I recognize that." Like, I don't know. But they had they had like a a jazz background, so it's kind of one of those mentalities where it's like you have the chops and you know all this music, and you kind of pepper in little bits of other people's music um, within it. But it is funny because despite the fact that they are one of the best sounding groups of the festival, 
they do have their share of sound issues, uh, namely mic feedback issues. Uh, definitely noticeable during when Erica Badu comes out, but in general, just having some sound issues. And yeah, there's um, even a moment where uh, Black Thought, the MC, is trying to get he's trying to get more vocals in his monitors, but he's in the middle of a rap. And so he just starts rapping seamlessly. Like I need more vocals in my monitors. And I don't think the sound people even catch it because no, it's, it sounds like, it he's like, sounds, I need my mic turned up. I need my monitors yeah. up. It's just like, like, don't say it like that. Cause it just sounds like it's part of the song. And then, but he, he's just too smooth. That's the thing. The roots are incredibly smooth, right? He got the finesse so. on that. But yeah. but then he has to correct himself and he's like, no, hey, the microphone, the monitors, like, <laughs> like I'm yeah. fucking serious. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting moment, but also, yeah, no one can escape the sound problems. Yeah, you know, right. we. we most of the the sound problems we talked about thus far on day one were just due to the bands themselves. The Roots is really the the first like oh the sound people are fucking up the music mm -hmm. yeah and that's gonna right, right. happen for the rest of the festival and and the Roots though they're the first band they had them, that played that yeah. said shit about it they're like hey yeah, yeah. like fix this you know yeah well yeah. they they, they seem to have more control as a band than a lot of these people too because a lot of these people yes. just open symbols hard you know just like a lot of just loud racket well you'd Whereas think that the sound guys, guys had, had it all control. figured out because exactly. all the bands yeah, were the same pretty, but yeah but no they, they right. sounded they sounded pretty pretty good um and you know another thing that i, I described their sound as you know because again they were really smooth watching the set all the way through was kind of tough for me because i just wanted you know it was nice to listen to i just wanted to get up and like start cleaning or something it was like doing meth i just like couldn't <laughs> Like not that I like wanted, like not like I wanted to get up and start dancing or jamming, but I was like, ah, I can't sit still during this. I I gotta, you know, <laughs> there's, there's I should like right. scrub the toilet with my toothbrush or something. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh also, well, you're, you're definitely you're you're a rock dude. We could say that. Yeah, Ryan. I can. I, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it is I, good. I, I mean, I love the rap. In, in but in that vibe, I'm sure if you were there at the festival, that would have been one of the more enjoyable things. And then looking throughout the whole festival i'm sure this is one of the few moments of true peace i think that yes. we're yeah. going to experience so we got to give them a shout out for that no definitely um, yeah they had the 69 vibes i would have packed a lot of bowls during this definitely set. and um do we we have a clip right of a towards the end of the set they start trading solos and they they kind of do this like interesting weird medley sort of showing off their chops and there's a little impersonation they do that maybe hints at uh what they're going to be doing with Dave Chappelle down the line. <laughs> well, so, okay. Uh, so yeah, I mean to, to further explain th this particular clip and we're going to play one other clip from the roots set too, that I feel like is, is worth hearing just like a snippet of, but this particular sound bite that you're going to be hearing is, is from the end of the set, the MC, I don't, I don't know, everyone's cheering and, and they're, you know, kind of doing like a rock set ender where they're all thrashing their instruments and everyone's just like going crazy. And the singer goes, yeah, man, rock on like totally <laughs> snotty. Like, yeah. Like Chappelle show white guy impression. Like just like any doofy impression of yeah. a white dude you've ever heard. He's like, yeah, man. Like, and he, and he does it again. It's so bizarre. And then also there's light trash throwing during this, 
this part too, which is kind of like the sprinkle before the the downpour yeah, starts, yeah. where people are like getting so riled up that they just start throwing garbage at the stage. Which, <laughs> like again, it starts very lightly during the roots, but it increases a lot as, as the entire festival goes yeah. on. So let's take a listen to uh this this random little set ender from the roots really quick. <laughs> I don't know. Why did they do that? I don't, was it, I don't know. Have you ever been to a hip hop show where they play like uh, Nirvana or like Smells Like Teen Spirit? Yeah. <laughs> you well, remember it, that, Parks? Yeah. Jo uh, Josh and I, we saw Ghostface Killer and he was just, he was slamming like classic after classic. I think like, it was the DJ Ghostface before songs. him. Like, like the, like the, no, it was, it was in the middle of the Ghostface set. Oh, it was? And then, I mean, it was like prompted by Ghostface and he just plays like. Well, that was South by Southwest. Yeah, yeah. So Nirvana. A lot of, a lot of like hipsters. Yeah. So I feel like that was like. Yeah. A, and yeah. He, but it was it was bizarre because it was almost just like it's like I mean yeah that's but that's like the biggest like rock song I don't know it was weird <laughs> I, it, I think that they thought people were gonna start moshing and they didn't um, so I don't know yeah if it was I don't, I don't it was like it was Teen just, Spirit biggest rock song ever Parks Miller <laughs> <laughs> gotcha yeah, I'm trying to get in this '90s well, mentality dude okay? no okay when you watch that HBO <laughs> series the Defiant ones all about you know Dr Dre and and, and shit. There's like a scene where Dr. Dre's on like a private island on, on vacation, just like with his computer. He's got, you know, gin and juice. And he's listening and to he's listening, Yeah, he's listening to Nirvana, just like yeah. singing along. He's like, Nirvana, man. It's my favorite rock band. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know yeah, the rappers I mean, love Nirvana. I mean, Jay-Z uh, used, um, he used the melody of Smells Like Teen Spirit in some song that was on the radio. There's a rapper named Kirko Bangs. Oh, is, oh my God, um, dude. That yeah, and now with fucked. all the now with all the emo rappers, I think like like Lil Uzi and stuff. I think they're all inspired just by like his life. I guess just being this like you know having like being like super bummed out is like cool and sells records. Yeah, yeah but they those, don't kids are, those kids are like but, the, the grunge guys because they're all dying off like flies. Well, yeah, and they're yeah. fucking you know. But also, I, I feel like they don't understand that, that they're like, Oh, slightly. like the reason why I'm sad all the time isn't because I'm like introspective and artsy. It's because I do fucking Xanax and like Molly all the time. And I can't produce happiness chemicals in my brain anymore. So well, I'm like the guy from Nirvana. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a big connection there. Yeah. But I think that's slightly different with the roots going on. I think that. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah it's, it's totally different. I, <laughs> yeah. I think they're just trying to connect to the uh, the crowd. You know, they're like, I mean, the crowd is super white. Yeah. The like, what are these very, unruly, very you know, white folks in jean shorts and sandals want? They want me to say the roots rule, man. <laughs> Kick ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they just played after Buck Cherry. So oh, if they like, caught that might have been a dig. It, it, it reminds me of uh, caught, it reminds me of the, they the were, party like a rock star song where he's like totally dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay. But one of the most consistently funny things in comedy ever is just doing a good white guy impression. So I mean, you can't deny that all the, no, all the every, greats, yeah, it's great. We, everyone Kid loves rock, it. Dave Chappelle, Richard Pryor, they've all done it. Um, but yeah, it's Did just you say like Kid Rock or Chris Rock? Rock. He said Chris Rock. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought right. he said Kid yeah, Rock. I'm literally <laughs> hearing things wrong from all this fucking Woodstock yeah. shit. Uh, it's it's like a, but in anyway. my head. But, but yeah, that's. I think that's about you know the roots. Good job. Good job. Right. Roots. Yeah. Well, one you know one side note, I'll, I'll say that that makes their set worth watching. Again, we have a YouTube channel now where we have all of these videos of all the sets lined up so you could check it out they have a very impressive beatboxer in their group that keeps doing like scratching like vinyl scratching beatboxing throughout the in, entire set and, and towards the end he brings everyone in the band kind of stops what they're playing and they come out to an invisible turntable setup while the guy beatboxes and they act like they're doing it and quest love comes up from behind the drum set which he's been behind like the entire set and I mean, Questlove is one of the coolest motherfuckers on the planet from what I can, you know, from what I've learned. Yeah, he's cool. But yes. he's got the biggest ass I've, like, ever <laughs> oh, seen God. on on a on a pro musician. I mean, that boy has got dumps. But, uh, if he's again. Not, if he's not best dressed, he's getting, he's up for best ass. Best, best ass, ass for, for sure. sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> he might be the only one uh, up for best ass. Well, Flea, Flea, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah Flea's got a little Miley Cyrus chicken ass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like he legs with a J-Bird and got cheated out of an ass. <laughs> All right, so with that being over, you know, the root set ends at about 6.55. That That's when they were slated to end. So jumping over to the main stage now, as uh, our previous guest, Tony B, called it the money stage. The money stage. The East stage, as it was officially <laughs> known. Uh, at 6.45 till 7.30, we have DMX. And yeah. this is... We're uh, my dogs. This is a legendary Woodstock 99 set. It's one of the few Woodstock 99 sets that still makes its rounds on like World Star Hip Hop and stuff. Like when it's DMX's birthday, they'll post yeah, the Jam Woodstock video. About it the other day, just yeah, yeah, and, and they're like remembering this moment at Woodstock 99. Because it was 99. the anniversary of that performance, just right? The other day, yeah, that that's very true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's fucking crazy. Like the reason why we titled this particular episode "One Man Against the World" is because. Well, we're, we'll play a little clip from from DMX's backstage interview real quick, where I feel like the the guy interviewing him kind of describes the the scene a little bit better than I can. So yeah. let's go and ahead. This and, is right before he goes on stage as well. Right. Yeah. So let, let's take a listen to DMX's uh, backstage interview before he goes out on stage to play. He hasn't even seen the crowd or the lay of the land yet. I'm I'm I'm, I'm privileged to be here. Was it a surprise for you when you walked yeah. out there? 
you knew it was going to be big. Yeah. But man, when you look out there and you see that. I haven't looked out there yet. Oh, you haven't been on yet? No. Let me tell you, it's bigger than God out there. It's like a mile to the other stage. You're going to have to work to fill that baby up. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to do what I do. How many guys you got in the, in the, the crew that are up on stage? Just me. Just you. Yeah. All alone yeah. on that big stage. Yeah. Dude, God bless you. Yeah. Bigger than, than God. God. Yeah. That is the shit. Yeah. And we all know that DMX is a man of God. But we'll get into that in a little bit. Before he was DMX, though, he was born Earl Simmons on December 18th, 1970. And uh, he was born in Yonkers, New York, where he spent many years. And uh, definitely went through an abusive childhood that included being beaten so badly he lost his teeth, being abandoned by his parents, growing up in homes, and you know, being, being fre- frequently arrested, as uh, he addresses on the song Slippin', which is one of my favorites. It's also the, <laughs> the last song before the prayer that he's uh, famous for. Doing. Right. Well, the prayer at the end of his sets are, are legendary and completely intense. out intense. of place uh, in comparison to his lyrical content. One of my favorite parts of the prayer, though, is at one point it zooms out into the crowd and there's a a lady on some guy's shoulders. And while he's praying, she says, hell yeah. (laughs) I thought that was funny. (laughs) Hell yeah for Jesus. That's that's amazing. So we're on the East stage. It's it's 645-ish, 650-ish loosely. That that this is, again, the times that we have for the sets, these are what were officially you know, listed as their set times, whether or not things ran on time, we can't really tell from, from the footage, but that's around the time of evening uh, you're talking about. And if you thought that Buck Cherry into the roots was a weird transition, you just saw Sheryl Crow on this stage and now DMX is coming out. And he's by himself. It's pretty crazy. He's the only person that like really came out like that and was like, actually, he's got, he's got his DJ. He has, he has a DJ, but, but the DJ, I mean, he, in some of the songs, he'll, you know, chime in and, and you know, say yeah, some no, words he, with them. He does a great but he, job. he pretty much stays in the background. And it, and there's not even that many uh, stage potatoes, you know, like people totally, on stage yeah. watching. It's literally <laughs> DMX. Like Perez is on stage still. Well, right. Yeah. So, stage so, so, potatoes? Yeah, yeah. I've never heard yeah. that. Yeah, the guys <laughs> that, like, chill on, on the, on, on the <laughs> yeah. sides oh, of Oh, I know, but I <laughs> stage <laughs> potatoes. Yeah. Well, oh, wait. So, yeah. Are we done? Are we done prepping DMX? I mean, this dude is no, kind no, of like I got a, lot a legend. DMX, he is like a tragic figure. Yeah, yeah. No, you know oh, I mean? no, we're, we're, I mean, yeah, we want to talk about the set, but yeah, we're going to talk about what <laughs> happens after the set, too, in his life, and, and we have yeah. some some fun okay. and not so Fair fun enough. facts. But, yeah. you know, we, we talked about how at Woodstock 99, there was a lot of celebrity announcers that were would be introduced by this Guy with the raspy voice, this mysterious man who we Gruff can't style. Yeah, we can't seem to to find out who he is. So if you know, be on the lookout for this guy if you're watching these videos at home. But he introduces Rosie Perez uh, to come out and introduce well, and Stephen, Stephen Baldwin. Baldwin. Stephen Baldwin and, makes and, and a Stephen second Baldwin. appearance. We can't get enough of him. Yeah. You know, he he's he's great. But the the thing about the Rosie Perez thing is, you know, she's in this little red dress. She looks great. She's very happy. You know, how are you doing out there? Everyone's going crazy. But one thing that's going to keep happening every time there's a female on stage is the crowd just is going to roar, show your tits, show your tits. Yeah, it's insane. It it happened to Sheryl Crow. It happens to Rosie. And Stephen Baldwin is kind of there, like, almost like protecting her. It looks like he has his arm around her. He's like, you know, looking at the crowd like, come on, guys, stop it. And she starts saying, you know, you really want to see him? Well, I I don't want to. 
I'm not going to say the entire clip because we're just going to listen to it right now. Let's just fucking play this yeah. shit so yeah. you can hear the, the Rosie Perez uh, introduction of, of DMX. Like I said, yeah. Stephen Baldwin is protecting her. You can't hear this in the clip, but when you watch it, when she says, you want to see him? You really want to see him? He's got his arm around her, and he's saying, like, visibly, you don't, don't do this. Don't, don't do yeah. it. You don't have to do this. Like, being like, like don't right. let the guy. They were, like, booing her, too. It's crazy. But I don't, well, I don't think she had any intention of doing it. No, 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 because no, she makes the joke about, you know, go rent the movie where, where yeah, I show yeah. them. You know what I mean? It's okay. great. Yeah, she's cool. Like, she, she's having fun with it. But Baldwin right. was like, the Woodstock yeah, energy is worried. too fierce. Like, right. It's going to overtake Rosie Perez. It's going to ruin her career. Like, no, I need to interject because I think it's bullshit because she, that's a zinger. She says, you want to see him go pay three ninety nine at Blockbuster? That is like fucking hilarious. Yeah. No, it's and the great. Crowd, and, and the crowd just, they're not having any of it. And, <laughs> um, but I mean, this is one of those moments where we could, I would like to tie back to kind of like, you know, where we are now and like, think about just having a huge female celebrity. I mean, cause Rosie Perez at the time was a huge, uh, celebrity. Right. Yeah. And to just, to like, just be met with booze when she didn't show her breasts. I mean, that is <laughs> yeah. mind boggling. Like the amount of like male energy, just like needing more tits to like get through the weekend it's it's pretty frightening for, for for a celebrity to even experience it. And just to put that in perspective of just like all the women that are just in the crowd. Right. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, we can't get Rosie, Rosie Perez. Perez. Yeah. Then, yeah. yeah. Dude, DMX. I would be terrified. Out. He says, I see those. Yeah, it's scary. I see those. Right. Yeah. Yeah. D yeah. yeah. But he, so, he's he's on the chill side, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. He's cool. He, he's yeah. doing his thing. He's he also probably focused. like the most successful, like hype man. Like he has the best crowd work out of the all of, most of the people. I would say, like, yes. Whenever he like says to do something, everyone is doing it. Right. And, well, he yeah. was fresh the crowd at that is point, feeling it totally. The DMX yeah. was literally at, at the absolute peak of, of his popularity. Yeah, he, he had yeah. just like broken through huge. He had a lot of songs on the charts, and yeah, yeah again, yeah, he's yeah, the he's, only one that played by himself out there. And yeah, everyone loves it because he had like. He had crowd work gimmicks like uh, yeah. where are my dogs at. Well, you know, uh, everyone barks. You know, stuff. this is right before he ended up breaking like a, a record. Like, okay, so his first major label album was uh, "It's Dark and the Hell Is Hot," and that included uh, the Rough Riders anthem. That was like the first single on that. But it also has like "How's It Going Down," "Stop Being Greedy," "Fucking with D," 
Um, this was released in May of 98. So right before, or I guess, you know, a couple, like about a year before. So he's still working on that. And then I think like December of that year, he released his second yeah, album. Two, two uh, albums Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood. These both debuted at number one. And I think they both sold over 5 million copies between the two of them. And yeah, uh, yeah like he was in, the, t- he was in the, the number one position for I think three weeks on the, uh, on, on the, the second album. And uh, he was actually uh, replaced by Britney Spears' Hit Me Baby One More Time. <laughs> right. Um, they needed a palate the, the, cleanser. The exact yeah. opposite of that record. But, right. But I mean, these, but are, also- these are amazing records. And I would say that they're like instant classics to some degree. I mean, this is like. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, it was very, it was, you know. I don't know. I, I love these. I, I really do. They're good. Right. But he but he was about to a few months later release and then there was X. Yeah. yeah. So he was Nin- already. So I mean, yeah, yeah. That's so he yeah. was this. He was humongous. Yeah. At the time. He was in a lot of movies, too, like Belly, Romeo Must Die, Exit Wounds, uh, Cradle to the Grave and Last Hour. And he, he had, yeah. I think he had a reality show uh, in 2006 called DMX Soul of a Man. <laughs> well, he was also in the Def Jam Vendetta video. Yeah. Games. He you was could be him and huge. beat down. Other rappers. So yeah, DMX, you know, he's one of the few hip hop acts at Woodstock 99 period. Again, the only person to play completely by himself, you know, for the most part. Yes, he had a DJ on stage that chimed in every once in a while. But for the most part, I mean, this is just one. This is a single man act, you know. And yeah, and he was huge. So it really is one man against the world. Because when you watch footage of this and DMX's set is one of those rare occurrences at Woodstock 99 where you still see clips of it being posted from music publications yeah. today where they're like you remember 20 years ago yeah. when DMX Def, yeah Def Jam just posted an Instagram thing uh on I think two days ago which was I think the anniversary right July 23rd yeah, yeah yeah right so you, you know they're yeah he, he was he was fucking huge and it's it's a intimidating kind of kind of view but it's so monumental that it's still revered to this day as like a huge moment in hip-hop music yeah and uh also, I will say this about DMX. He is up for best dressed Definitely. at Woodstock 99. Definitely. Absolutely. Uh, we're talking, uh, it's overalls. It's bright red overalls, but they're shorts. And he has the, he comes out with the red shirt to match, too. Right, red, red shirt to match. He's got a, a dog collar on. You, know, you can he, hear it jingling. And he just walks out growling like, <sighs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. 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 yeah it, the dogs. Again, everyone's <laughs> getting so fucking amped like you could see the entire place vibrate almost like everyone's just waiting for this yeah. beat to drop but the entire crowd again this yeah. is Woodstock 99 it's all white people you know I, yeah, I spotted yeah. like you know yeah. a, a couple of people of color throughout here or there during the set but I mean it's it's a white crowd and it's yeah. over a hundred thousand of them I want to say it's like the world record for like the most white people yelling the n-word together all oh. at once <laughs> <laughs> definitely i don't think yeah. guinness is going to touch that one yeah, but yeah when, when he when he plays his his song which the title is such that we can't we won't even touch it on this yeah. show but everyone sings along because he encourages it and i mean they're not censoring themselves so yes there is probably a world record uh yeah and this is, <laughs> i mean, keep, I mean this that. is two years in the making too like he, up in you know right up until like about let's say 97 like he was Pretty just like I don't know. He was definitely like on the streets quite a bit, in and out of jail. Um, I think he had a kid, and he was married to the uh, I forget her name for like I think for a very very long time. And I think he's now he's like fifteen kids, fifteen kids. He's like thir- screaming thir- Jay thirteen Hawkins. of which are hers, I, be- I believe. But um, but yeah, two years in the making. Like and uh, you know he's he's you know he's on the streets, all that shit. He ends up getting his ass beat for like no reason. Like the reason he got this his ass kicked. Like he didn't actually do what you know. It was just like. It just happened to him before Woodstock, right? Before Woodstock, yeah. this is like '97, and he had his uh, he had his like mouth 
like wired shut and shit like that. And um, his producer friend, uh, Irv Gotti, gets a job at Def Jam and convinces the president of Def, of Jeff, Def Jam at the time, his name's Lear Cohen, uh, to make a trip to Yonkers and to listen to him rap. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, his mouth is wired shut and like he's in the studio. Before he, Kanye. Yeah, yeah. His, his mouth so he is just growls. <laughs> and like that's kind of where that started, I think. And, and they were saying that he got so into it that he like you could hear like the braces in his mouth like breaking like away. Forrest Gump. He like his, yeah. like the leg braces yeah, in Forrest yeah, yeah, Gump. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. keep rapping DMX <laughs> and he's just like, oh come on, my dog's <laughs> yeah, and it's all breaking apart. <laughs> but dude, Cohen says that he was like, it was so obvious and so compelling that if my mom were in the studio, she would have pulled me inside and said, He's the one. And he was like, signed immediately after that, and then get at me, dog, followed. Dude, yeah, the guy's session. mom would have heard DMX say, I got blood on my dick because I fucked, fucked a corpse. corpse. Yeah, and she would have yeah. been like, he's the one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, those two I mean, records are really cool. And like, I, I feel like a lot of that stuff, if you go back and listen, like there's definitely influence now. Like, uh, I'll, I'll make, a, a, I'll make a, an example here. There's a, there's a song on, on Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood called The Omen, which features Marilyn Manson. And uh, whoa! And if cool. you know about you know people like Tommy Cash and shit like that, Lil Uzi you know, Vert, they're pretty, all rocking uh, Marilyn Manson. Pretty, uh, yeah, you can definitely hear it in that. But so, also, you yeah. know, DMX was really intense. Like he, he, he I wouldn't his say image screamed, was so solid. But yeah, he he was solid. But like his his delivery style is so intense. Like da 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 da. You know, it's like so intense that I would say there's a lot of up and coming rappers now and like huge rappers now that are intense like that, where they're just like screaming the whole time. And I feel like DMX was the first. Like mainstream rapper yeah. to be like, dude, this is yeah. Well, that's fucking what he, intense he, shit. They even say like we wanted to kind of like be like anti-puffy, you know, like like mm. you know. I I always support that. Yeah, yeah, me, me too. Um, yeah. So he so decided to be yeah. roughy, yeah, <laughs> roughy. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, he you, was very. I mean, you know, going, you know, being in and out of jail and shit like that, and and kind of this just him just doing this and going for it completely. Like, I don't know. That's it's pretty crazy. And I mean, especially yeah. how prolific he was up until, up until that point. Like, he was about to release his third album in, I believe, like, a year. And, it, like, about a year and a half well, span of time. he was sitting on the stuff, yeah, you know what I mean? He was totally. just waiting for, yeah. for the chance. So, Woodstock 99. Could it, you imagine it, if he would play Party Up at Woodstock? That was, like, he, I feel like he had that one already. Dude, he I, had, like, why? I feel like the amount, of fist fights, that shit. the amount of fist fights that broke out during DMX's set that you cannot see during the footage, I feel like is unreal. Yeah, like that's yeah. fight music. I, and uh, one of my first uh, introductions to DMX's music was when I was a little skate rat and I watched the CKY video series. And there's a scene where, where Mike Vallely, Mike oh, yeah, V, dude. who uh, I believe, I don't know if he still does, but he did sing for Black Flag for a little bit. He had his own band, Mike V and the Rats. But he was a, a gnarly kind of pro skater, badass fight yeah. guy he beats the shit out of like four dudes in a parking lot while dmx is playing and i was like it's this so is the sick. hardest music i've ever heard i love this shit yeah and so right yeah we you know we're so, really harsh on a lot yeah, of the bands Swiss beats show, is a good but. producer we gotta get well, shout out it, to Swiss beats it, right i think in comparison when you had a band like the roots that is doing uh this like laid back hip-hop uh, with DMX, I mean, because obviously one of our main focal points is going to be new metal, which is this uh, this unholy blend of loud, distorted guitars and hip hop aesthetics. And but I think what's interesting about DMX is the aggression that he's bringing to it is kind of like a good bridge between actual like rock music and new metal in terms of just like the mentality and attitude yeah i, I would agree because having... the next act and i don't even want to announce it yet but but the, the next act after yeah oh no nothing well the next two acts after dmx on the main stage are harder 
acts for sure yeah. that that incite a much rowdier crowd than we've seen at the festival yeah. until that but point. And it starts with DMX. Mosh pits. You know right, I mean? and yeah. there's mosh pits during DMX's set. Oh, for sure, yeah. and I feel like, like a lot of that on. is what we were talking about, about how a majority of the people that had the money for tickets weren't the biggest music fans ever. Like, they might not have heard this shit. Like, they're literally just there to fuck shit up and be yeah. at Woodstock. And that a lot is of people were singing along to that shit. But they are yeah, that's, no, that's, that's true. No, you're, you're absolutely well. Dmx, you know that's like he it's was, like Lim Bizzy, it's bully music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the badasses at, <laughs> yeah. at your school with like like the jocks that would kick the shit out of you. Listen to Dmx, you know. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on, though, I definitely want to talk about his like, uh, you know, just like his like criminal. Background oh yeah, I mean, or, or you just, know, like, you know, his things like that because you know that kind of, you know, yes, he has these world records. And things like that, but his criminal record has seemed to sort of overshadow a lot of that stuff. His criminal record is lately. off the charts. It's really off the charts. From '98 to I think 2017, um, there, there's multiple throughout those years. And you know, really, it's like so you're arrested at least once every year for like 20 years <laughs> for something completely different than the year before. Yeah, and all these—I like. mean, the charges are pretty. You know, they're they're all over the place. You know, you have a uh, resisting arrest, animal cruelty, reckless driving, unlicensed <laughs> driving, drug possession, and and false uh, identification. Uh, and you know, he's most known for like the, you know, the animal cruelty thing, you know, like he, he was suspected of fighting dogs and things like that. And, um, I, you know, I'd like to say that that surprised yeah. me, but it, it, it doesn't, well, no, I mean, not at all. And then, but in 2007, his home was raided and police discovered 12 distressed pit bulls, as well as the remains of three others buried in his backyard. And, uh, he pleaded guilty to animal cruelty and maintains his innocence. Um, basically he was just saying I was a shitty owner of dogs. And well, it's like, <laughs> yeah. We know we what? at Podcast it's... 99 love dogs. Yeah. We love well, dogs. Guess what, guys? Right. It seems like we found out and where the hard. dogs are at. Yeah. When I don't you wanna... ask where the dogs are at, they're buried in the backyard. Yeah, dude. Uh. But I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to give him too much credit. But, you know, it's, it's really hard to take care of one dog. So 15 <laughs> dogs, it's like, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's troubled but, for sure. I mean, he got addicted no. to crack. But when, it, but no, he, he he maintains his innocence there. Like when he's when he's asked about hurting. Well, so dogs did John Wayne being, Gacy? Yeah, or being affiliated with any dog fighting enterprise, he says not at all. I love dogs. I got a dog tattooed on my back, which you can actually <laughs> see on the back cover of his second album, Flesh My Flesh, Blood on My Back. And, and he's like half dog. Actually. He's almost like a furry, where he's like, I feel like inside, yeah. I'm a. I identify as a dog. Like, he, well, yeah, that's he, the thing that goes have, that goes back to his name also, like DMX. I was. I was looking into that more, and it's Dark Man X, and uh, that's like his, you know, sinful and I guess you know dog-like uh, side of him, like his, you know, Jekyll and Hyde or whatever, and and uh, and Earl Simmons being like the man, like the you know the Christian man. Yeah, Earl Simmons you know, pees like in the, the toilet, and DMX shits in the yard. Is kind of what I'm gathering from that. Oh, man. But okay, so wait, real quick, just back to the back to his set. So his set list. Is you know it's pretty much all bangers. Everyone knows all the words from what yeah. we can tell. He plays a song called "Stop Being Greedy," and that song Good is song. actually on the officially like released Woodstock '99 VHS and DVD. Where what they do is they don't even have every act, but they take one song from most of the acts and they show that in succession in this DVD. When they get to DMX, they they show his him playing the song "Stop Being Greedy," and it's kind of ironic and interesting and dark in this weird way because the entire crowd you know over a hundred thousand people stop being greedy and they got seven dollar bottles of water in their hands you know it's it's like this weird premonition just like stop being greedy stop being greedy they don't even know what they're that they're rioting yet (laughs) you know what i mean but they are like unintentionally they're protesting yeah i love to he does a song that i really like called it's all good and uh 
you know, he's talking about the, his dogs a lot. And he's like, where are my dogs at and all that stuff. But then he's like, you know, he makes another dog reference. Very, very subtle, but also, you know, it's, he says, where are my bitches? <laughs> and then God. he goes into it's all good because it's for the ladies and yeah. shit, you know. Yeah, well, he loved this up. <laughs> for those of that don't know, a, fe- a bitch is a female dog also. So I, I, see yes. where, I see what, I see how he's do- what he's doing there. <laughs> um, I think that maybe to uh, up for best dressed is DMX against DMX because when he takes his shirt off and then puts his overalls back <laughs> on, that might be even a little bit better than when he has twice. his shirt on. Yeah, no, yeah, he's, he has. He's he has twice outfits. nominated. Like when most he takes people, the shirt off, it's a big deal. Right. Well, no, yeah, everyone goes fucking apeshit A because he's a fucking specimen. But like, he's I mean, ripped. dude, he's like a physical, he's like an Adonis. It's insane. Uh, there's, but, there's actually another one that we'll get to that I'll bring it up when we get there. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, he, it's an, it's a, he's, he's ripped and everyone goes crazy for it. But, you know, throughout the festival, you'll see like in, in tons of instances, singers and of the bands and people in the bands like stripping down throughout the set. Like, whoa, it's way too hot up here for all this shit. Uh, but few of them, it like, it, with few of them, it, it seems like it's an outfit change. You know what I mean? Like in DMX, he has like several wardrobe changes. You know, he like planned his layers specifically. Yeah. I feel like it's like overshirt, take off the overshirt, then strip down the the overalls, take off the undershirt, put the yeah, overalls yeah, back yeah. on. He had several looks for the succession of his set, and he also and a towel and, and a towel. Yeah, the the famous rapper towel uh, that most rappers seem to have on stage. But DMX also, I feel like. Uh, when we're talking about his influence now, there's something I saw going around World Star Hip Hop where it's like the underwear challenge because everything's you know a challenge nowadays. Everyone's got to do the hashtag something challenge, and so a couple rappers you know playing these festivals uh, over the summer got into their underwear and they were just like straight up in boxers rapping. They're like that's the underwear challenge. DMX fucking did that shit at Woodstock '99. <laughs> you heard it here first. DMX started that shit. Shaggy too dope as well. I was gonna say. I was gonna save it, but he gets down to the draws. Yeah, he does. But DMX beat him to it. Uh, yeah. You know, it's he the same day. But, but DMX was he got into his. But it's weird because he doesn't get into his underwear and then just finish the show. He just drops the shit down to his shins and like lets everyone stare at him for a second, and then he puts the overalls back on. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. Like, he doesn't. He doesn't finish the set well, in Tim's. If we yeah. had those big Timberlands on, he couldn't fit the the, the legs over him. You know, he couldn't couldn't get them off. He's like, like when Fuck you're trying to take off. a shit yeah. in cowboy boots, you can't get them off all the way. You're sitting there with your knees locked together. It's fucking <laughs> bullshit. Uh, yeah, and also during DMX's set, you know, like we we talked about, it starts with the Rosie Perez thing and, and all the guys being totally awful and and evil. When you watch the footage throughout DMX's set, you see some pretty strong gropes. Uh, you see you see some yeah. crowd serving. You see some some girls kind of you know huddling themselves close to make sure no one can get to them it's 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 starting to get rough yeah it, you well, know i mean well, the, i mean thank god he said a I mean, prayer for them yeah <laughs> well i mean for all the for all the like the praise we're giving i mean like dmx is definitely putting off this incredibly intense uh masculine energy totally. into the air so in that right. sense he he does fit into what is going to create a lot of the chaos that happens in this festival Right, um, and, and in the Rolling Stone uh, coverage of the of the festival, when it's like it's split, the Rolling Stone coverage is split into three parts, I believe. Mm-hmm. It's like on the ground, backstage, and and you know afterwards. And the on the ground guy, Robbie Sheffield, who we've talked about, he talks about DMX like being just this negative black hole in the middle of the day, like <laughs> where it just all of a sudden it was like now it's thugged out shit. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like like it was Cheryl Crow, whoop. It all falls into the void, and now DMX walks out one man against the world and just 
gets everyone pissed and jacked up. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's uh, it, it, it definitely is a game changer for the festival yeah. itself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because then after that, I mean, we're going to get into the acts that played, you know, after DMX later. But that's where it's like DMX is really the first kind of I don't want to say negative energy because, again, I want to stand up for his music, but I can't defend, <laughs> you know, the effect it had well, yeah, on people. I mean, it's, it's, it, it is it, it's it's authentic to me, at least. I think it's real obviously you know right <laughs> yeah, it's and, like and of course to, to it top it all it off it to top off is. the entire set he yeah takes everyone to church and and does the big the big prayer session yeah and he's serious about that shit he does that every pretty much mm -hmm. every show well, uh, in he, 2012 i think he was called he you know he felt the calling to uh be like a, a pastor or to like go in those yeah. go in that that direction um, <laughs> i want to yeah. go to that fucking yeah. church what, you but was, you know what, you, what, you, what you, you were saying about like uh like people in prison right well or, yeah or okay here's why dmx is so religious yeah why, why he can do an entire set of fuck bitches that and suck my dick this and i'll fuck he literally has a song about like fucking someone in prison and shit but then at the end he, he uses this you know the prayers and it kind of cleanses the whole thing and he's a man of god well you know who loves fucking you know who loves god and who loves religion people that go to prison a lot and people <laughs> that go to jail a lot that's who really loves god are fucking people that are in and out of prison and dmx is most certainly in and out of prison yeah uh, and 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 jail there is a difference folks <laughs> but uh yeah so I mean, th I that's why that's where i think the prayers come from he's like well you know I got it good now, but it's only a matter of time before I go back in the hole. Sure. But, but I mean, you can get pretty deep with this because, uh, I mean, I think what we're getting at is like the idea that it's somehow hypocritical to be a man of God or a person of God when, uh, the lyrics of your songs are about violence or misogyny. But, uh, I, I do, th it's, it's definitely, I think it's not so easy to shut the book on that because obviously we've seen that, um, there has been many instances of people who are very morally heavy handed who say you shouldn't True. act one way. And then they're, they're, they're doing worse shit. They're uh, pedophiles yeah. and they're, they're doing it all behind the scenes. Yeah, and Ted so Haggard. I, do, I think that there is what, yeah. I mean, I think one thing to say about DMX is that <laughs> he is putting it out there. And I think that is while he has definitely, you know, done some very questionable stuff in his life. I think that he is, I think one of his main lyrical themes is kind of wrestling with like, he feels like he has all this evil inside of him, but he still uh, feels like he is close to God. Right. You know? and, and, well, and, and that is yeah. something you can get deep with that. You know, he wrote a lot of these, these songs, like the, the ones that we're talking about that are like specifically like gnarly when he was, you know, getting his teeth fucking knocked out, living in homes, stealing to survive, yeah. doing drugs. And you know what I mean? It's like, too, like yeah. these songs came from the negativity that he was presented with. And that's kind of the case with, with a lot of rap. So, yeah, I totally agree with you, Parks. Like, because that's always been a main criticism of, of gangster rappers and stuff. Because whenever they win a war, they always thank God and stuff. But it, they're not they're not out there doing the shit that they're talking about. These are, you know, fucking rock stars. You know what I mean? Like, they, they have, they're not out stealing and robbing and stuff still. That They're just telling you the story. Yeah. And so, yeah, you find God at the end of a dark tunnel in most places, you know, I mean, or in most instances is what I've seen in some of these stories we've been reading about people like DMX. So, yeah, you're right. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to say uh, he's bullshit, but it's just really silly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like the way he does it, I mean, in the set, it doesn't for me detract from the set. I think it still is one of the best of Woodstock. I mean, if like yeah, dude. if someone else were to, uh, I don't know, I mean, if, even if like if Cheryl Crow or some, I don't know, just 
And if another one of these acts tried to lead a prayer, I mean, G-Love, that could probably... I gots to pray. Yeah, yeah. if G-Love yeah. gots to pray, that would just be awful. And, and so he, <laughs> he pulls it off. Umbilical Brothers probably said a lot of prayers afterwards. They probably yeah. asked for, for fucking forgiveness. Is what I mean, yeah, if, if Jamiroquai was like, thank Jesus for these titties, you know, I mean, it just would have... <laughs> Been yeah, thanking, more thanking Jesus there, for the titties is something you do after the set. It would have been sick if Willie Nelson <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, but, maybe, I mean, Willie Nelson could have maybe, you know, done a, a good prayer. But I'm just saying, DMX, the, you know, he, he when he means it, you, I mean, you can feel that. I he guess. means it. He, no, he, he's honest. He's, he's an honest guy. Sometimes. Yeah, no, and he's, well, honest, okay. he's fucked up. He's just, he's tragic. It's tragic. Yeah. His so, life. Absolutely. Right. And yeah. I remember one time he like impersonated like a, a FBI agent or something at like an airport. And, okay. and I mean, yeah, all those crazy, crazy shit started falling down on him. So what we want to do really quick is we want to show you kind of the lighter side. We want to show you Earl Simmons right now. Yeah. Earl Simmons. Yeah. Fuck Darkman yeah. X. Fuck the dog. Okay. But don't tell him I said that because it'll kick the shit out of me. <laughs> But fucking, th th there are some moments in DMX's career where you're like, dude, I really like this guy. Like, I just like yeah. this guy. I remember when this happened. Right. So yeah. what we want to play right now is uh, DMX doing an impromptu interview where he sings the complete lyrics for Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So I, I printed the lyrics of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And would you, I know the lyrics. Would you do us the honors of spitting Rudolph see. the Red-Nosed Reindeer? You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen, Comet and Cupid and Donner and Blitzen, but do you recall the most famous reindeer of all? Come on! Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose, uh, and if you ever saw him, you would even say it close. Come on! Come on! All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. They never let poor Rudolph join any reindeer games. Then one fall. Christmas Eve, Santa came to say, come on, Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you ride my sleigh tonight? Then all the reindeers loved him, and they shouted out weekly, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, you go down to history forever, you go down to history forever, you go down to history, what? That is going to be I'm so excited, I'm so excited. Did I get the names right for the reindeer? Yeah. Forever, forever. He breaks it down, dude. That's a this talented hype, man dude. right there. He's fucking banging on the desk with his own hands. He knows when to make the bridge, like dude, beat he's change. The, he's got the dynamic down. Everything's insane. He does his own ad libs, ad -libs. live. Come on, like, dude, that's fucking pure DMX right there. Yeah, like you know, that's, no, it's Earl. That's <laughs> Earl Simmons. Dude. I feel like that's where they merge, though. It's yeah, like he's yeah. got the fucking like <laughs> sick fucking rhyme, you know, capacity of DMX mixed with the heart. Of Earl yep. with the fifteen kids, yep. who you know, he, every year he's like, "Kids gather around, Rudolph." There, and he fucking like bangs it out in front of the Christmas tree on probably like a <laughs> gift or something, you know, <laughs> like or maybe he's got like a fucking djembe. I don't know, but uh, I just feel like he's done that before. You know, it's too perfect. He didn't just like yeah. whip that out. Yeah, and if you guys like that, you'll love the studio version of that song that they recorded. After. Yeah, yeah, they, they really went for it. They they rode that one out. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I wanted to just do one more DMX thing really quick. My favorite DMX moment, uh, you know, even more favorite than his Woodstock 99 set, is this video that surfaced of him and his buddy on a slingshot ride where, where you just get launched into the air. And they always film people like fainting on these things. You'll see, you, everyone's seen like a slingshot 
camera video. They're all over YouTube. They're, they they service all the time. But DMX did it, and he is fucking petrified, like the the whole time. And he's screaming. Him and his buddy are like freaking the fuck out. And, and going crazy, and then he, like, realizes that he's being filmed, so he's got to, like, change up character. But to me, it just, it really shows Earl. You know what I mean? To me, it's just like, <laughs> yeah. this is a guy just having fun, scared of roller coasters, and it, it just shines a different kind of a light on onto DMX as, as a character or as, like, a force. So let's uh, let's check out fucking DMX on the slingshot. All right. Yeah, I ain't gonna find some scary shit, nigga. It's some scary shit. It's some scary, it's some scary shit. It's some scary shit, nigga. It's some scary shit. It's some scary shit. Oh, shit. Oh, oh, what? It ain't nothing. What? Get it. It ain't nothing. Oh, 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 what? It ain't nothing. Yo, it's scary. It is scary, dog. So he's fucking scared as shit. He holds his chain. Like when the when the ride launches off, he holds his own chain to make sure it doesn't fly. The whole thing is great. And there actually is a sequel to that video, too, where he does the ride again with his little daughter. And he's like holding her. And he's like, don't be scared. Daddy's got you. And it goes off. The ride, you know, shoots off. And you can tell he's just as scared as the first time. <laughs> like He's like, no, daddy's got you. Daddy's got you. And it's really sweet. It's actually too endearing for us to play that clip because yeah, I'm not yeah. trying to make him look that good. Uh, but it's it's really cute, and it and it's one of those rare moments in viral history where up. there's a sequel. You know what I mean to yeah. to the video. There's like a second a second one. So now it's time for our emerging artist roundup. Of course, there's an emerging artist stage that's going on during the two main stages, the the west and the east stage. So uh, during this this time frame that we're talking about here, the two bands uh, that that played were <laughs> Liars Inc. Now, Liars, Inc., I was able to find a little bit of, which is rare with these emerging artists. There's, there's rarely a- anything to find, but I was able to listen to a couple of their songs. They sound, it's kind of like lit, you know, maybe a little more edgier, a little less polished, but it's, it's basically just like that pop rock, like, you know, they're from Hollywood, you know what I mean? So it's that classic Big 90s Hollywood sound where you're singing a lot about living in Hollywood, you know, it's <laughs> something I'm familiar with. <laughs> But uh, so yeah, a pop rock band, and their first album was called Super Jaded. It came out in 1998. Super Jaded. Yeah, so that that was the album that they were still kind of toting around. They were writing a new album, I guess, at that time. And I found a little bio on them, which I feel like is worth reading because, again, with these emerging artists, we really don't get that much. But when and when we do, we want we want to share it with you because you'll never hear about these bands at any other point in time. So. Their bio uh, on this random bootleg music website I found reads, Liars Inc. is a quartet from Los Angeles, California, which can best be described as having been born of compelling contradictions and obstacles. 
Lead singer Rail grew up in Hollywood, where his mother worked as a stylist to the stars who often slept on her living room floor following all-night parties, and whom Rail had to step over as he went to school. As he matured, Rail became frustrated, jaded, and disillusioned. Oh, damn. Yeah, so, I mean, if that's not enough to get you to never want to listen to this band, I don't know what I can do to sway you from that more. And then right after him, you had the Chris Perez Band. Now, this one's pretty interesting to me. He's a famed Tejano guitarist, played in a lot of Latin rock albums, toured with a lot of people. However, he's most famous for being Selena's guitarist, and he actually married Selena in 1992. Uh, This is when Selena was climbing the charts. She really broke out in 92, 93. She had a really good run in 94 and was murdered in 1995 by the president of her fan club, Yolanda Saldivar. Sorry. (laughs) uh, It's been been a long day here at the Podcast 99 studio, and Selena makes me very sad. Uh, So after she died, Chris Perez went on to form his own band, the Chris Perez Band, and they released their first album in 1998, Resurrection, which won a Grammy for the best Latin rock or alternative album. So his set at Woodstock 99 was kind of a a coming out party of sorts. You know, he he had already won won a Grammy, but he wasn't, you know, mainstream huge. He was huge in, you know, like South America, Mexico, places like that but hadn't really broken into American success yet. So that was kind of his first uh, first kind of, uh, again, like a coming out party. You know what I mean? It's like, no, yeah. I know my wife died tra- tragically. I'm still making music. Like, this is the new Tejano sound. Yeah. It's kind of like what, what that was. So that was the emerging artist roundup for, uh, for, for this uh, portion of day one. Next week, we're going to be covering another couple bands. We have The Offspring coming up. We have ICP coming up. We have a lot of good stuff coming for you and more emerging artists that you've never, ever heard of. (laughs) So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. And let us pray. I thank you, Lord, for my birth and everything that's followed. I thank you, Lord, for today, and I will pray tomorrow. I thank you, Lord, for the love of my life and a friend. I made a promise when I'm loving my wife to the end. I thank you, Lord, for your guidance, because it's all that counts. And right here, right now, Lord, this is your house. I thank you, Lord, for a dream that came true to life. And I ask you to bless everybody that's right here tonight. I don't always do the right thing. And I ask you to forgive me. Because I need you here with me. Without you in my life, it's empty. I think back how some people did me like violence was the remedy. And because I think of them now, I will pray for my enemy. It's not because of what I'll do, but because they don't know. There's something better after here. But everybody, don't go. So I ask you to forgive them. And we'll hope they see. And I thank you for the love that they've given to me.
will not abuse it, nor will I lead them astray. You see, I love them like children, but I see every day. And I pray, no, we pray together. You get us through that bad weather, and we'll love you ever. Let your thought and my heart go hand in hand. I first thought, but you start. Now I stand a man. And for as long as I can, however long you permit me, please give me the strength I need to live. Bear with me. Amen. Podcast 99 would like to thank Gray Holger at Conjuredic Sound for all of his technical assistance. Without him, this podcast would not be possible. If you went to Woodstock, played Woodstock, or worked at Woodstock 99, please contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Instagram at podcast99. Thanks, and we'll see you at Woodstock.